Hey guys and girls, welcome, welcome to, to Single to Sealed. I'm Jerry, your host, and here with me is my co-host and wife, Brianna. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have dedicated this podcast to helping fellow Christians navigate the treacherous waters of dating all the way to the winding roads of marriage. All are welcome in our podcast family, and we are so excited to have you here with us. Be sure to subscribe, follow, or favorite. Let's talk. Hello, podcast family. Welcome back for another episode today. We are so excited to have you guys back, as always. And today we have a very special guest, someone that you guys actually know because he's been on once before. Jerry, drumroll. Introduce our guest. Our guest is back here with us again, Jared Hawkins. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to his previous episode, we highly recommend to go back and do that so you can learn a little bit more about his bio and, and who he is. And we had a really good time talking with him before, and he had a lot of good information to share. So uh, today we're going to kind of skip over that introduction again because we've already introduced him. But uh, just as a quick... We're old rem- friends now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just as a quick reminder, uh, Jared is a sex therapist and located in, in Utah, correct? Yeah, I'm in Utah. And uh, he works with Covenant Sex Therapy. So we're excited to have him on to talk about the issue of pornography, which we know is definitely something that a lot of people struggle with. So go ahead, Jared. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on again. And and thanks for that drum roll. I, I, I don't know if I've had a drum roll before, but so I appreciate that. <laughs> From now on, every time you come on, we'll give you a drum roll. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm making like, the joke drum roll. <laughs> yeah, that's not the right drum roll. <laughs> yeah, maybe not that one. Unless I think something really funny and then and then go for it. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> okay, perfect. Okay. Wait, that wasn't the funny thing. What? what? Well, that wasn't the funny thing. Am I ruining it? Right now, we were supposed to have crickets. Oh. <laughs> I am ruining it. Okay, go ahead, Jared. It. No, it, it was fine. Well, yeah, today we're talking about pornography. Uh, strangely enough, this is one of my favorite topics. This is something that I talk about quite a bit in, in therapy. Probably about a third of my clients are people who are trying to quit porn. And then probably another third of my clients are couples that have some sexual issues and pornography is is often a factor. So uh, I love talking about it and excited to, to talk about it today. So we've all seen porn. Pornography, I think when we usually think of that, we think of you go on a porn site and you're looking up a video of people having sex. But pornography in a broader sense can be any sexual materials intended to provide sexual arousal. So it could be videos on a porn site, or it could be pictures, or it could be in a book or in movies, anything that's intended to, to provide sexual arousal. So when I say we've all seen porn, that's, that's why. But we usually talk about porn in terms of why we should stay away from it. And, and, uh, and, and certainly that's a, an important message. And I'll, and I'll add some of that today. But I, I would also like to focus on what does that mean for relationships? Pornography is a, a factor in most people's lives and mo- in most relationships. And so what can you do if you're someone who is trying not to look at porn? Also, what can you do if you are the partner of someone trying not to look at porn? I think that what you bring up here about um, the different forms of pornography is really important just because, like you said, we often think of us using pornography is always something super explicit. And I think that, uh, like you said, there's various forms of pornography that, that we're viewing and ways that our minds, you know, are getting tainted or desensitized. Yeah. To a lot of these things in some way. And it's really difficult because this concept is something that's a part of our, our life every day. And anytime Brianna go or I go online to find a movie to watch, I feel like we're always pretty good about going on to look at like parents' guides things like that to see what a movie has to offer. And it's blowing my mind how often, you know, sexual acts or especially explicit sexual acts are, are shown even in 
just trying to sit down and watch a movie with your family. It's just it's just everywhere. Yeah, and we always have to look up parental guides because it's so hard nowadays with the rating system, even if it's rated a certain like TV 14 or something, especially on like Netflix, we find a lot of issues too with nudity and that kind of thing. And we're always trying to be extra careful, but it's it's literally everywhere. Yeah, someone doesn't even have to be naked to be considered pornography. Yeah. Right, absolutely. Yeah, my favorite guide, parent guide, is Common Sense Media. It's a it's a good one. Yeah, it's it's so true that it's just it's just everywhere. And yeah, even when you're on Netflix searching for a movie, all the you'll see a bunch of of the images on the movie. I don't know what they're called. Uh, yeah, and a lot of them are yeah intended to to provide some sexual arousal. So yeah, it's all around us, and it's. And so it's weird. I, I feel like we get all these messages where pornography is everywhere and it's normal and it's so accessible. And you talk to most people in the world and they think it's it's just it's normal and, and most people use it. But then we get this other message in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and in a lot of Christianity or other religiously conservative backgrounds you get this message that pornography is is a sin and it's it drives away the spirit and so there are certainly a lot of a lot of mixed messages with porn and actually in the sex therapy world a lot of sex therapists will suggest or at least have pornography as an option for couples if they want to build arousal or if they want to, if they want to increase some novelty in their into their relationship and so sitting at the intersection of all those messages for me is is an interesting experience. Yeah, I've heard that idea before. And I think that's just, it's really, really interesting just how um, therapy, just in things that are meant to be good for us, has even been tainted. That's clearly a bad thing that people are suggesting that type of thing. I've also heard uh, of uh, therapists suggesting things like trying out open marriages and finding other people to to be with as a way of strengthening their marriage. I think that's crazy too. It's just all these different methods that people are coming out with to try to strengthen a, a couple, but it seems to be actually just destroying them more to me. Right. Yeah, I in a in a research review that a couple authors put out a couple years ago. In fact, one of them is a member of the church. He's also an editor of the of a big marriage and family therapy journal. And in this review, they looked at a bunch of research studies about the effects of pornography in relationships. And they, they did actually find a couple positive, potentially positive effects for couples. So a lot of couples found that they increased their sexual comfort. They also increased their communication. And so I think, yeah, some sex therapists have used that to, to draw on some of those potentially positive effects in relationships. But then there are also a lot of other studies that show quite a bit of negative effects with relationship satisfaction and trust and other things. It's in terms of what the research says about pornography, it's actually kind of hard to give it's, it's bad or good just because it's usually complicated. In this particular review, they found that it depends on which partner is viewing it, how they're viewing it, if they're viewing it together or separately, how they're communicating about it. And also if they, think that pornography is is bad or not so it, it depends on a lot of factors but but yeah certainly there have been a lot of negative effects found in the research the other big factor though is that there are a lot of ethics at play so in the pornography industry we you know we've heard that there can be human trafficking going on we know that pornography like you know almost every other form of media negatively negatively affects body image because they tend to show just one type of of body and one type of person and one of the big other big critiques that pornography's gotten is that it perpetuates a male centric form of sexuality so the way that they depict sex usually is uh what is pleasurable for the man you know it, it doesn't usually focus on the emotional connection that that the the people have it's definitely uh yeah it's definitely kind of a male-centric view and so a lot of people who view porn 
will, will kind of take that into their sexual relationships and then perpetuate this, this male centric form of sexuality. So that's, that's one of the other big negative effects. I, I know that, uh, from my personal experience and with uh, full disclosure, you know, I've had, I have times in my life where I've been exposed to, um, porn- pornography with intentional use. And I can definitely attest to that, that that's, that's something that is a struggle for somebody who's going into, um, a relationship is that your expectations for, um, for sex and, and your sexual experiences are, are dictated almost by a, a film industry showing, showing you, uh, what, what they want you to think sexual activity looks like, you know, and they have paid actors that are doing things that most, and a lot of women don't really want to do. And you don't know that you just watch it, like you said, as a man, and you think that this is, this is something pleasurable for them. And I can, I can say that that's not necessarily the experience when, when the time actually comes. Yeah. I, I, even if people are okay watching porn, what I usually recommend is just, just know that that's usually not a good form of sexual education. And the way that you and and your partner might have sex will be, it's probably more uncomfortable. You need quite a bit more foreplay. It's, it's very different. And, And, but it's also more beautiful because you have the relationship there that's, that's just beyond sexual gratification. So it's so much better. The other thing that I wanted to say with this is that, in fact, I read a, an article just the other day that, that talked about even if all these critiques about pornography were addressed, even if the pornography industry uh, shifted to have less male-centric sexuality and, and more focused on and women, even if those issues were addressed, the, even the, just the concept of consuming pornography still reflects objectification. You're using other people's bodies for your own sexual pleasure. And so the author of this particular research article made the point that it still reflects sexism because you're objectifying the people for your own, for your own pleasure without a relationship with that person. These scholars argue about pornography all the time. It's a, it's a big debate, but I think there's a, a strong case and a lot of reasons why it's, it's negative. Since there are a lot of factors, I really value the church's stance because it's very simple. It, it basically is that pornography in any form drives away the spirit. And to me, having the spirit and like the peace that that comes from trying to live in line with my values is so powerful and so i think that's that singular reason is is just a a beautiful one and and certainly good enough for for me yeah i love that because when you really think about it intimacy was given to us for truly to be to be intimate with your significant other and it's something that's god given if you think of sex as something that god has given us as like a gift um and then you compare it to what's portrayed in media like pornography um which portrays it mostly as just purely sexual gratification and you know (laughs) for lack of a better phrase like the natural man and we all know that the natural man is the enemy to god so you can see where like the church gets its stance from because it's trying to keep sex and intimacy as something that's sacred. And I feel like pornography is takes something sacred and does the total opposite with it by making it something that's easily accessible and something that you can just watch and that you use purely to have sexual gratification without any of the connection that is meant to come with sex. Yeah, I I agree. And, and we talked about this in our last episode, that sex is something that is so good and fun and, and pleasurable and it's it's divine. It's it's sacred. And uh, and so when when people have urges to view porn, they, it doesn't make them a bad person, though, that those things, those urges are, are so good. I think we have a culture of we feel that if we have sexual desires or thoughts or fantasies that those things are bad or we're bad but those things are so good and and god-given and because it's so good we want to use it in a in a good way 
So that leads me into a couple suggestions I have for people who are trying to not look at porn. So this can apply to anyone trying to stay away from it, but particularly those who are who have looked at it and or maybe have the habit of it and are trying to to get away from it. And so the first suggestion I have is to have compassion on yourself. I have so many clients who come into therapy and they they you know maybe watch porn every couple months and they just feel like such a terrible person. And it just breaks my heart because I'm sitting with these people and I'm just so honored to be in their presence because they're just such good people. And to to feel that they're so down on themselves because of porn is is really sad to me. And so uh, I always recommend to, to all my clients to have compassion on yourself and think of yourself highly. And I sometimes I get pushback. My clients are like, no, if I have compassion on myself, then I'll, I'll be easy on myself. And then I'll, I'll look at porn and I don't want to do that. But we're actually talking about two different things here. We can still think that pornography is bad, but thinking about yourself as bad is not productive. In fact, if you think of yourself as good, you have compassion for your slip-ups, then you're going to have the energy and the motivation to keep going. Whereas a lot of people who feel really down on themselves will just, they'll just give up or, or you know, they'll, they'll feel so worn out by, by trying to quit. And so, yeah, that's, that's definitely my first suggestion is be kind on yourself and think of yourself highly. You're, you're a good person and, and yeah, have a little bit of compassion. I would like to add that um, I think that that stage of even just feeling that that guilt and that shame is a, is an important step just because you're not in the stage where you're just freely using pornography, feeling guiltless, right? Like I think that if you're at this stage where you're feeling this initial like, oh, this makes me feel sad, this makes me feel bad, I think that's that's a good push to allow you to move into that compassion stage because, you know, you're not just going to feel compassion right away. You're going to do it. You're going to do it something. You're going to mess up. You're going to feel bad about it. And then you try to make amends. But even we know that with repentance, you know, we need to feel that godly sorrow before we can, you know, fully repent of, of an action. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. And that, and that ties into the difference between guilt and shame, which is something that we talk about frequently, where guilt is some is, you know, I feel bad for doing something that was not in line with my values. But shame is, I, I am bad. And shame is never productive. Yeah, it's, it's good to feel bad about something that we don't want to do. But it's also really important to still think of yourself as a good person and, and think of yourself highly and have compassion. And I think something else that helps us to do this is that, uh, as I mentioned before, having urges to view porn is, is normal and, it's, and it's, it's, it's fine, it's good. So sometimes clients will be so uncomfortable feeling a sexual urge that they try to get rid of the urge, right? That's kind of the natural thing to do. And the easiest way to get rid of the urge is to watch porn. And so something that we we shift to with a lot of our uh, clients is, okay, accept that having a sexual thought or a fantasy or an urge or something is is fine. Like we we That happens. It doesn't mean we dwell on it and think about it because that's not helpful, but you accept that that's normal. And then you can free, you know, you can focus your attention on something else that is in line with your values, but trying to run away from the urges and trying to get rid of them, right. will sometimes lead you to, to watch it. My second big suggestion. So first have compassion. Second suggestion is seek out some practical and professional help. I think in the church, we always talk about how pornography is a spiritual issue that requires spiritual proactivity. Go talk to your bishop, read your scriptures, pray. And those spiritual approaches are always good, right? They're always helpful. Uh, they're, they're always important. But I would also encourage people to seek out practical and professional help as well. There's so much help out there that you can have. You don't have to do this by yourself. So there is social support for you. If you want to talk to close 
family members or friends who can support you and will accept you and not judge you, then that is almost always helpful. I think something similar to that is, you know, how people will say, yeah, if you're sick and you're just laying there and you're like, God, uh, bless me that I can get rid of my fever. You know, but people are will not be willing to, you know, take Tylenol to help their fever go down or to eat good food. They're still sitting there sick, eating junk food. You know, God's given us given us all these things today to help us with our sicknesses and um, things that are giving us stress. And I think this, that these studies and therapy is one of those things as well. You know, and so if we're just just sitting there completely with the, you know, pray it away method, there's a lot that we're missing out on because I feel like we're not really fully seeking to help ourselves and we're just waiting for God to fix all of our problems. Yeah, I can't agree with that more. There is a lot that we should be doing to, to get help and, and things on our own. And so, yeah, one other tool that you can seek out is there are group meetings all over Utah. They're online, they're in person, they're in other states as well. And so, if, for example, if you go to sautah.org, sautah.org, there are meetings that you can go to and they're just people who get together, uh, kind of like an AA meeting would be, and they support each other in trying to stay away from the, uh, and, and there could be a variety of things like any kind of compulsive sexual behavior. So that's a, a good tool. And then you can also go to therapy if, if you feel that would be helpful. With a lot of people who look at porn, they feel so down because They've tried to quit so many times and just don't feel like they have it in them. And therapy helps you address some of the underlying factors to that. So a lot of people use porn to deal with tough emotions. If they're lonely or, or bored or those types of things, often pornography will, or, or sad, those things. Pornography is a great way to make yourself feel like give yourself a little dopamine rush, right? And so therapy can help you address some underlying things that you're trying to use pornography to cope with. Therapy can also offer a lot of other things. So one of the thing, a lot of things that we do in therapy are helping clients develop mindfulness. That's very helpful in, in stopping to look at pornography. It's also, uh, we talk about regulating your emotions. So different ways you can deal with your emotions differently than, than pornography. We often help clients identify the factors that lead to pornography. So usually it's, you know, I'm alone. It's at this time, you know, I, I have these thoughts and we identify those things and, and make game plans to, to address those things in different ways. So there's just a lot that therapy can offer. And so if you, if you are struggling or, or know someone struggling, that's definitely an option. I would seek out someone who specializes in in this kind of stuff. And there are quite a few of those types of therapists in Utah. So a lot of, uh, a lot of support out there if you want it. I also know that a lot of this information, like you could, you know, technically look up and, and, and find online as well. But I think that there's a lot of value in having a specialist to, to work with you because it's just like when you're, when you're reading a textbook, most of that information is, is generalized and you always have more questions. And so it's good to have somebody who can interpret um, a specific um, issue that you're having, you know, just, just for you and cater it to you and, and help you to improve with your situation. That's not always necessarily done, you know, by the book because you can't treat every individual like a, you know, you're this type person. We have to approach them this way. You're this type person. The book says I have to approach you this way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's definitely true. And especially when there are some underlying things that make it difficult, right? If you've been through hard things or feeling difficult emotions, working through that is definitely a relational process. Having someone you can talk about that with and who will express some compassion to you, that is definitely a, a relational process. But it is true that there's, there's quite a material out there. And so uh, I, I did want to mention a book called Treating Pornography Addiction. It's by Kevin Skinner. And that that's a good tool. It's an easy read. And, and so if you're looking for something like that, that's also a, a good tool. 
So if I myself am and am dating, and I'm and I'm dealing with a a pornography issue, when do you think is the right time to talk to the person uh, that I'm dating about this? Yeah, that is a really good question, and 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 a question that gets brought up a lot. Certainly, there's no magical time, but I think what I would say is when it is in line with kind of the depth of your relationship that you would express other deep things like that, if that makes sense. And so we, it's kind of the same thing with expressing physical affection. So you, you kind of balance the, your commitment to the relationship with your physicality and how much you know the person, those kind of things. And so, I yeah, I would say that you should have those conversations when it's when it's natural, right? It's not going to be the first first date, obviously, because you don't usually disclose deep stuff like that first date. But then it also, you know, if you're committing to to marry each other, then certainly you're going to want to have that conversation before you before you do the last. Certainly, the last thing you want to do is not not bring it up ever, and then make it be a surprise. That's that's definitely the the worst thing you could do to get married and then and then bring it up. Yeah, I totally agree and I've actually heard it said that a good thing to do is to talk about it, you know, earlier on in your relationship, but once you're both like committed to each other and getting to know each other well, it should be definitely a topic of conversation and the best way to bring it up is to say, you know, when was the last time you looked at pornography? And have you ever struggled with it? And to like just have that really open conversation on both ends, because like we talked about earlier, pretty much everybody, every one of us has been exposed to pornography at some point in our lives. So this is an an important topic to have with your girlfriend and your boyfriend, you know, either side, because women can struggle with it as well. Um, And sometimes people don't realize that, but it is a thing for women. So um yeah, it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had, in my opinion, before engagement, because this is something that is is a major thing to be disclosed. Yeah, Brianna, I, I completely agree with you on on those thoughts in that time frame. And another way you could approach it is, and and I liked I liked the way that you approached it too with asking when when is the last time they viewed it, because. That is a good assumption that, right, everyone views porn in different forms at some point. So it's important to talk about. Another question I've heard asked is, what's your experience with pornography? And, you know, you can assume that everyone has some some experience, whether, you know, it's it's maybe more innocuous forms of pornography that we see everywhere or whether it's and accidental exposure to something a little bit more significant. I think we can assume that everyone has some sort of experience. And so uh, I think making it an open conversation where it's not an accusation like, hey, te- you know, you're not accusing someone of their pornography use, but you're, you're, both, you're each talking about your experience with, with pornography. That can make it a, a more open conversation rather than an interrogation. Yeah, and I, I I love that, and and trying to make it seem so so not like accusatory, I think is really important to make it a safe space to feel comfortable talking about it because it is so it's just everywhere. And so a good thing I want to kind of piggyback on that to ask would also be, you know, how do you handle it when you you know stumble across pornography? You know, what's what's your mode, I guess, or what do you do when you come across it, and how are you able to overcome that? Yeah, that's a good question. And and this is something that we definitely need to teach our children what, what to do. There, there's a great book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And it talks about how it's basically it's geared toward kids and how they can respond to exposure when they come across it. Yes, but, I've, I've seen it. I've heard lots of good things about it, too. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Uh, so I, I, I remember I had an accidental exposure when I was little. I was probably 10. And I was looking for a, uh, I was I was looking for a website that had like video game cheats because I wanted to cheat in my video game, and I typed the <laughs> wrong website and 
had all of these images pop up and it was, I was like, what? It was kind of traumatizing as a little 10 year old. Uh, one thing to do is, is to just like leave the situation. So just turn off the computer, turn off the display, leave, tell someone. I didn't know that. And so when I was my little 10 year old, Jared was like exiting out of every little pop up and seeing all these images that I def- definitely didn't want to see. But yeah, certainly first reaction is just to, to get out. And then the second thing I'd recommend is talk to someone about it, whether it's a parent or a friend. And uh, I think it's just good to, to talk about it because a lot of times people will either feel guilty about it, which you definitely don't have to feel guilty about accidental exposure. There's nothing you, you did wrong. And, but some, sometimes people will keep pornography uh, a secret and it, it becomes a worse habit if you're keeping it secret. So it's, it's a lot more helpful to talk to someone about it and get it out and feel less shame about it. Yeah, I think I have something to add to that. I think that um, it's really important that we're focusing on recognizing this issue. And I invite anybody who's struggling with the issue of pornography right now to stop waiting to to work on it if it's something especially that you've never worked on before. I know that you could have been viewing it for a couple months. You could have been viewing it for, for five years. And there's never a better time than now to to work on that. And quite honestly, I think that if you're in a situation where you want to be dating and you're actively working on on your pornography use, then it makes it a lot more acceptable to be dating and to have another person um, agree to continue to date you when they know that you're in a place where you're you're struggling but you're you're trying to overcome your problems just like everyone has problems um i think it's definitely more risky and selfish to to be in a relationship where you're not trying to improve your pornography use and you know manipulating a situation to basically not be showing your true colors of of who you are yeah and I, and i think it's really important to note here that satan thrives in the dark and so if we keep it a secret, it just makes it harder for us and we're not able to get the help that we need to overcome it. And so he wants you to keep it a secret. He wants you to, you to make, he wants to make it feel like you could never talk to anyone about this. And I'm sure he also wants to tell you that this problem will go away once you get married. Don't worry. Once you start having sex with your spouse, like this won't be an issue anymore. I've heard a lot of people who, who have struggled with pornography say that they thought this, they thought that you know, wouldn't be an issue once they're being able to be intimate with their significant other. And that's not true at all. Uh, It actually, I'm sure Jared can expound more on this, but it doesn't really have a ton to do with actual physical intimacy. Most of the time, at least. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. I, sadly, I have so many clients come in and they're like, yeah, I thought that it would just get better when I got married because I'd have an outlet and then it didn't. And then it started affecting our relationship. So I couldn't agree more. If you're wanting to quit, then there's no better time to, to start than now. And, and certainly there are plenty of justifications that we can talk about. And, but yeah, they're just, they're just keeping us from, from quitting. You know, and definitely admitting it for the first time is the hardest time because you're admitting it to yourself. You're admitting it to, to someone else. And if you've never admitted it before, and the first time you're ever admitting this is is to somebody that you're potentially trying to get engaged to or married to and say, I'm admitting admitting this, but I've never worked on it before. That's definitely terrifying. And, you know, your odds of that person staying with you probably is a lot lower, quite frankly. And it's unfortunate because it's just a consequence of our, of our actions and our unwillingness to, to improve and and, and do the right thing, which, which can be sad. Um, But it's, it is, important for the other person to know fairly what's going on and be able to make that choice you know, for themselves. And so, you know, definitely, again, work on that now because you're much more likely to be in a situation where someone's much more willing to help with, help you and work with you and love you and accept you when you're actively working on overcoming this, this issue. Yeah, that is, that is so true. I, a lot of a lot of people will not disclose their pornography use because, yeah, they're just really afraid of how they react. They know it'll hurt their partner, 
they know their parents will be disappointed with them. And so they, they keep it a secret. And certainly, certainly our, you know, in our culture, we can do a way better job of, of not shaming people. Right. Because, you know, everyone's looked at porn and, you know, most, most, I don't know the statistics, but you know, a good, a good percentage of people look at it, uh, habitually. Certainly we can, we can be a lot kinder and a lot more open and, and reduce shame. And so it makes it easier for those, those people. And, but yeah, if, if you're disclosing pornography, then I, yeah, I would, I would totally recommend that you, I mean, it, it takes a leap of faith to, to be able to talk to someone about it, but it's, yeah, like you said, it's just very important to, to get it out and, and to build the habit of being open so that when you're in a relationship, it makes it a lot easier. I feel like with any type of admission when you're you've been sinning or you've been doing something you know you're not supposed to do, it's always the first step that's the hardest. I know like in my past when I've made mistakes and like I've had to go talk to a bishop about it, that's always like the most scary thing because you think it's gonna be like the worst experience and you're just just so afraid <laughs> um that you're just gonna get, I don't know, like excommunicated or something. And so um it's it's really hard to take that first step, but once you do take that step and you talk to the bishop or talk to someone, in this case that we're talking about, it's there's nothing that's more freeing to feel like you have someone on your side and someone that has seen like the darker part parts of you and still sees you as a worthy, beautiful son or daughter of God that has value and infinite worth and that can tell you those things and can support you. And so that fear doesn't come from God, that that doubt in yourself doesn't come from God. And that worry of talking to someone doesn't come from God. That all comes from Satan who wants to keep you down and wants you to not be able to have fulfilling relationships and to feel his love and to feel the beauty of repentance and overcoming hard things with the atonement. And so taking that first step, yeah, it's so scary, but it's also the most rewarding to be able to feel that acceptance and that love that God wants to give us. I think not only is that is that difficult, but there's people who are listening to this podcast right now, you know, you may have somebody who is admitting that to you. I think this is also a learning opportunity for you to realize just how much faith and confidence that person has in you to divulge that thing. So as mad as you want to be in that situation, especially if it directly impacts you, just take a minute to also have that compassion that they need to have on themselves and think about how hard it was for that person to do that. And in that moment, it's a cry for help. It's that moment of seeing how you're going to react and you need to react with love. Yeah, so true. A lot of times with couples, if a partner discloses their pornography use and the partner just responds really poorly, then the person viewing pornography is probably not going to go to them and, and tell them again. And so it re reinforces this cycle of secrecy. People feel so much shame sometimes, especially in, in our culture with their pornography use. And yeah, I, I, I just really agree. I, you know, it's so important to respond with love and acceptance and they're still great people. They're, they're, they're such good people. And so, yeah, certainly the way that we act to people should be positive. That's actually the the third big suggestion I would give to people with pornography use is is being open and, and honest. And I'll just touch on what it looks like in marriages really quick. When partners work together against the pornography, when they're on the same page and supporting each other, they tend to do really well. And the issue can actually bring them closer together. On the other hand, if, yeah, if someone doesn't, tell them they're watching porn or eventually they do and the partner responds bad when the partner just doesn't disclose it it can come across to the other partner as a betrayal because they were keeping something from them and definitely way bigger than pornography use a lack of trust is a way worse problem for a relationship so Couples usually do fine if they're working on porn together, but if one person is lying or is not being honest with the other partner and it creates this lack of trust in the relationship, the lack of trust is, it takes a long time to get back. 
yeah, I can't encourage people enough to just try to muster the courage to be completely honest all the time because that'll in the end be way easier. People, I think, can get over the fact that uh, what what you did was was hurtful, and they can work with you on that. But it's obviously, you know, you're you're not living in fear every day. I think not so much that they're doing that act that they're still doing it behind your back because you know they were able to keep a secret for you from you for X amount of time. You know, how long is it before it turns out that they did the same thing again because you were repeating that cycle of being too scared to to share that you fell back into an issue that you've already discussed once, especially if there's a lot of consequences. You know, the first time something happened, you felt that that guilt and and it created a real issue, you know, in your relationship. It's it's totally something that you're scared of happening again and those consequences can prevent you from wanting to to tell the truth again. So something that the partner can do to respond well is to try not to take it personally. A lot of times the partner will take it really bad because, well, one, sometimes it feels like a betrayal if they weren't being open and honest to begin with. But also, I think for a lot of people, I think especially for women, they feel like the the person who's viewing porn like maybe maybe they're not good enough for that person that they have to go look at porn and sometimes they'll compare themselves to the people on screen which is ne- it's never a good idea because yeah I mean that'll always bring you down right because the people on screen are always fake right and and so Anyway, the biggest suggestion I would give for the partners is is to try not to take it personally. People who who view porn, like you said, Brianna, when people get into marriage, they usually keep viewing viewing porn because it's not about the sexual relationship. It's just they have this habit, and so um, and and usually there's a lot to it, right? It's a way to cope. It's a way to regulate their emotions. It's just a habit they've formed. It's something that feels really good. It's a way to deal with stress, those types of things. And so if you're able to externalize that and know that this is something that they're working on, this isn't my problem. This isn't because I'm not pretty enough. This isn't because I'm not good enough for my partner. Then that makes it a lot easier on you to deal with. I think that uh, another thing I would add here is that when you come across this issue in uh by your by yourself or especially when you're dating since this is a dating podcast that it will never be the other person's responsibility to control your recovery and i think that's really important that you know you can't use this other person as an anchor now to check in on you all the time and and make you go to your meetings and do all these things because it's just adding so much extra stress on them it's so important for you to show them that you're willing to take these steps on your own and that you're reading your scriptures and you're seeing the therapist and you're doing all these things without them having to push you to do so. And that's, that's going to keep your, your relationship uh, happy and build that trust back much faster. Absolutely. And that, and that can be really freeing for the partner because now they don't have to be the one pushing things and, and try and get the partner to do stuff. So it's nice for the partner. And if you're the one who is taking initiative, you're going to be more successful rather than being pushed by someone else. One of the other big suggestions I would give for partners, if you are dating someone who has a habit of viewing pornography, and you know when you have those conversations about your experience with pornography, know that there are many different levels of use. I think sometimes when people say they view pornography, it's like you do or you don't. Oh, this person is an addict. And that simply isn't true. So uh, Elder Oaks gave, I think in an Enzyme article, I think it's called Recovering from the Trap of Pornography. He talked about four different levels of use. And so there are people who use, who just have an inadvertent exposure and there are people of occasional use. And then Oaks talks about how they have 
other another level is intensive use and then compulsive use. And so people can vary from, you know, I saw it once or I've sought it out a couple of times to I view it multiple times a day for many hours. Like there's a, a, a huge range. And so when you have these conversations, don't just assume that someone views pornography as an addict because that's almost never true. Um, and so know that there, there are a lot of different levels of use. So when you're having those conversations, you can, uh, you can talk about it with a little bit more nuance. In, in fact, one thing that I would mention is if you're in a very serious relationship, right, you're planning on getting married, I think it's really important that you, that you understand exactly what their level of use is, right? Are they, how often do they, do they view it? And you don't have to go into details, but it, it might be helpful to understand what they're viewing, right? Is it videos or is it pictures? Again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go more into that because you probably don't want to know the details, but it is helpful to have just kind of a basic understanding of their use instead of just they, they use it or they don't. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think it's important to, you know, discuss how committed they are to actually overcoming it as well, because some people might not be on the same path to recovery as you might be assuming or hoping they are. And that's where those conversations are really key to having is to see like what they're doing actively right now to overcome it and to um, stop viewing it. And yeah, just being open and honest with that. And I think it's important, like you said, to talk about the type of pornography they're viewing because there's a wide variety as well. I mean, there's, yeah, there's like more violent ends and yeah. So something that you might want to know a little bit more about because that can definitely affect them and and how they are, you know, and what, what their expectations are for when you guys are married as well. So. Definitely. And, and I think a lot of partners are scared to, they, they wonder, you know, can I, can I be with someone who views porn or not? And I, I, I think it's just, there's a lot more factors than that. Like you mentioned, is the person trying to work on this or are they not taking any steps? What is their attitude toward it? And as I mentioned, a big one is honesty. How, how honest have they been with you? Can you communicate about it without them being defensive and without you feeling like you're accusing them? You know, how, how can you communicate about it and, and can you be honest? I think that component is, is way more important than just are they viewing porn or not. And, uh, and I think the conversations that you have you know, we talked about that initial conversation of what's your experience with pornography or when, you know, when's the last time that you viewed, uh, I, I would hope that those conversations continue. It's not just a, a one-time thing and that you're, again, that you're able to be open and one partner isn't just interrogating them. Like, cause sometimes what we see in with couples is one partner will be like, when's the last time that you viewed? And they'll just kind of grill them on that. And, and, uh, Jerry, as you mentioned, it's a lot, it's a lot more helpful for the person viewing porn to be the one to take initiative and, and talk about it when you need to talk about it, uh, rather than having one partner have to be the one to, to keep asking about it. Yeah, that's definitely, definitely, I think a good way. And, um, you know, we're kind of approaching that time here where we're going to wrap up the podcast and, uh, just before we do so, I'd just like to say that uh, we all know this is something that's that is very very serious, and I think it's important that we treat it as so. And I don't want to lose. You know, we said that we when we're when we're teaching people about uh, pornography or when we're working with people who have these addictions or any kind of addictions that we need to do better at not shaming them. I don't, I think that we can't take away from um, the strength of the sin either. You know, we, we shouldn't judge other people for their sins, you know, but, you know, even to God, there are some sins that are more grievous than others. And I, I do think that it's a very, it's very a serious sin. And, you know, we're not trying to make anyone feel bad here, but it's definitely something that can really weigh on your soul. And, and it can affect more, more than just you um, if you choose to involve other people in your life. So, Jared, do you have any other final 
final thoughts on on pornography as it pertains to dating before we wrap up here? Yeah, I would just say there are totally resources out there for you. And there are people out there for you. If you are trying to, to quit or you're trying to stay away from it, or if you are dating or, you know, if, if you're thinking about dating someone uh, who views porn regularly, just, I guess, in, in any situation, whether you're the, the person or the partner, there there's definitely help for you, whether it's talking to, to close family members or friends or seeking out therapy or, or reading some resources online. There's just a lot or, or seeking help from, from church leaders. There's, there's a lot of help uh, there for you. And so I'd encourage you to seek out some of those resources. Thank you so much for that. And I just want to make a note here. I mean, the world will say what it w- will about pornography and might say, you know, like we talked about a little bit, there's studies that are done that say that it you know, it might be healthy in some ways and that kind of thing. But we also know that the world also says, you know, a cup of coffee a day is good. It also says a glass of wine every evening is good for different parts of your health. But we also know that the church has warned us against, you know, word of wisdom and that kind of thing. And we also know the prophets have warned us against pornography. And, you know, if we have faith in the prophets being called of God and that they are able to guide us in these latter days, then we have faith that it's something that we should stay away from if we can. And we should work actively work on uh, doing our best to keep ourselves away from pornography and invested in healthy relationships and healthy connection and healthy intimacy with our future spouses. And having said all that, though, that's the beauty of repentance. And that's the beauty of the atonement is that it's always there within reach and that the Lord's arms are always stretched out to us. And that we're not too far gone to find love, to find someone that will care for us and cherish us. And we're not too far gone to have a healthy, happy relationship and be able to have something that truly brings us joy and and can give, give us that eternal family and that beautiful life we're hoping for not only here, but also afterwards. And there is hope. And we love you guys. And we're sending all, all our love to you. And if you're wanting to contact Jared or reach out to him, um, or maybe even set up an appointment with him, we have linked everything for him below in the show notes. So make sure to reach out. And we're so grateful you came on today, Jared, to discuss this with us. We know this is kind of a, a tough topic for some, I'm sure, to listen to, but we're grateful and feel so blessed that you came on to share with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me on. If you enjoy Single to Sealed, be sure to invite your friends to help our podcast family grow. If you haven't subscribed, followed, or favorited, be sure you do so you don't miss out on any of our great content. Thank you for joining us today as we help you move one step closer to sealing the deal. We'll We'll see see you next time. time.